right, so a couple weeks ago, we retold the story of Flow, an independent product management app founded by Andrew Wilkinson, and their biggest competitor was... Asana. That's right. So today, I thought we could revisit the founding story of Asana and dive into one of their key feature releases in the last couple of years that was led by none other than Anna-Marie Clifton. I like it. All right, we will get right into Welcome it to right Rocket after Ship. this intro. FM. Rocket Ship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. Okay, so Asana was founded by Justin Rosenstein and Dustin Moskovitz. Yeah, Moskovitz was a co-founder of Facebook, and he left in 2008 to start working on Asana. But leaving Facebook to build enterprise product management software... Yeah, well, here's how Dustin explained it to Sarah Lacey at a Pando fireside chat back in 2012. I do think my part in it had... had changed mm -hmm. um, and you know the story of the the story of Asana is, is basically um, you know that uh, for the last year and a half I was at Facebook I was working uh, basically 100 percent of my time on internal communication tools um, and uh, part of part of the precursor to Asana is actually a, a task manager that I built for Facebook um, that gained ubiquitous adoption there and, and is still the thing that, that basically runs the company today. Um, and so for me, the thought process was, um, you know, I'd gotten to a place where I believed that um, b building these tools was the most impactful thing I could do for Facebook. Um, but I also believed uh, there were other companies with important missions and the, and the tools were applicable to more than just Facebook. Uh, and finally, I could do a better job building them 
um, with a team dedicated to that purpose. So I was I was literally you know one guy with kind of like half another engineer helping me, and we were iterating on this tool, and it was very specialized to Facebook, so you could cut a lot of corners, didn't need to scale, um, but ultimately it, it was limited, and the you know the feature request list was just growing out in front of us, and was you know never gonna never actually going to be accomplished um, with just a few people working on it. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe it makes sense for, for Facebook to go into this product category and put a real engineering team on it and, and productize it. But, uh, you know, very quickly uh, decided that didn't make sense and uh, was just mission creep for them. And Mark agreed 100%. Um, so once I got to the, the end of that sort of reasoning, um, it, you know, it basically just became... Uh, you know something something we needed to do that you know Justin and I needed to sort of you know manifest this vision in the outer world uh, so you know every time somebody asked me you know why did you leave Facebook they often sort of have these these ideas built up in their head of you know maybe there were tensions or maybe you didn't like it anymore maybe it was a big well there's a big rumor that it was Cheryl there was a rumor that Cheryl Sandberg had actually pushed him out but look, he denies that that was true yeah, the truth was, at least according to him, he saw a huge opportunity in this project management software that he was building for Facebook. He described walking through the Facebook office and seeing the team interacting with his system out on three or four monitors, which reminded him a lot of the early days of the Facebook product. He knew he had something special and something that was all his own. So he leaves Facebook and sets off to build the internal software that he developed at Facebook into a commercialized product. He started building in 2009, then launched the product in 2011 to large fanfare, billing themselves as, quote, a modern way to work together. They were in beta from 2010 to 2011. Early in 2011, there was a 1,200-person wait list to get into Asana's beta. They had an ambitious roadmap and plenty of competition. For teams of up to 30 people, Asana offered their product for free, and companies could create more than one team on the platform. Keeping the product free at first, it was key for early adoption, especially in the competitive project management sphere where SaaS tools like Basecamp and Jira, they already existed. The software was so flexible when they launched, people were using it for reasons well beyond project management. Here's Dustin and Justin talking with Jason Kincaid of TechCrunch on the day of their launch in 2011 about the different use cases they've seen for Asana. Uh, we had pretty big imaginations. <laughs> One thing that we've actually seen repeatedly that's been kind of intriguing to me is, is weddings. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, we've had a couple of close friends actually that have been uh, organizing that way and it just seems to be you know really well suited to it. And we've heard that from customers as well where you'll have people who are using it at work to keep themselves you know to work on their their big projects in their productive life mm -hmm. and then getting used to it there and enjoying it there when they have this other big project they need to work on they can do it there and keep it and keep all the work for both of those big projects in one place and just switch back and forth and see what matters asana did feel different it felt modern and fast people immediately fell in love with it Year after the public launch, over 75% of the teams that had joined Asana were still using it. Their first couple of years saw huge growth and major product improvements. Here's Dustin outlining for the information their first couple of years of growth back in 2016. I say enterprise software is a, is a lot harder than it seems from the outside. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we've made a lot of progress. So we, we started the company in 2009. We actually launched the product at the very end of 2011. So we've had... A uh, good five years of, of growth now, and um, yeah, it, uh, it, it turns out that there's a, a much bigger MVP for um, what it takes to, to provide good work, work tracking to companies, um, but we feel 
uh, really great about where the product is now, especially with the launch we did in September of, of custom fields, which was uh, sort of the last big building block from the, uh, the original vision. So in this time, they build out an inbox inside their product to help replace email, but Slack had launched, which changed the landscape of how enterprise software should feel. And they invested heavily in a research team that would start to drive the roadmap. They launched a calendar feature for tracking timelines, which people were throwing in office dance parties to celebrate its release. And then in 2015, they completely redesigned Asana to better align with the new class of enterprise software like Slack and also Workday and Dropbox. And that brings us, well, close enough to today when they set out to build automation. For that, we'll hear from the product lead of automation, Anna-Marie Clifton, right after a quick word from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country, or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. Wouldn't it be great if you could see all of your investment and retirement accounts in one place? With Yahoo Finance, you can consolidate your views with multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Honestly, this has been a lifesaver for me. I've used Yahoo Finance to consolidate all of my various 401k and investment accounts so I can see everything all in one place. And it makes it incredibly easy to manage. So if you're struggling with that, check out Yahoo Finance. For over 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart a great investor. And that's how Yahoo Finance ensures that you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. So go to yahoofinance.com that's yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. Uh, my name is Anna Marie Clifton. Uh, some people call me AMC. Most people call me Anna Marie, and a few people I don't talk to call me Anna. Uh, so at Asana, I'm the product lead for the automation team, uh, as well as a few uh, affiliated initiatives. So now we're in 2019, and Anna Marie Clifton had recently left Coinbase, where she was the lead for the Consumer Trader Experiences team, and she left specifically to build this automation product at Asana. She was drawn to this work because it addressed something she believed to be true about the direction of how work and society are changing. Uh, one of the things that I believe about just how humanity is evolving right now is that so much of our work and attention and what it is to be human is becoming digitized. Um, and as it's becoming digitized, it's becoming increasingly easy to um, augment and automate some of those pieces. Um, and so my kind of theses and philosophies around work are that as we uh, develop more and more, um, more and more ways to kind of represent our work digitally, uh, we have more opportunities to 
offload a lot of that cognitive overload um, to computers that are quite functional at those kinds of things and freeing us up for more um, exploratory, creative, um, innovative thinking, which is really where humans excel. The first thing she does is sit down with her manager to talk through the high level strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first piece was kind of working with my manager around um, what she had kind of started to think through on like high level strategy um, and kind of taking that stuff that she was like, all right, I kind of started thinking about this stuff, but we, we're not really sure where this is going or why. Um, we just know that there's something here about automating away the work about work. Um, so the, the early pieces were around diving into customer pains, um, customer problems and building out frameworks around that and thinking about how automation could kind of plug into those frameworks and really help smooth that out and automate away that work about work. Automating away the work about work. It sounds like a commercial that honestly just writes itself. It, yeah, it does. And, and you know, that's part of the product work here, developing the narrative for the team. I mean, like we talked about in the past with Jack Dorsey's ability to craft the Square story throughout the product that they were doing at Square. Anna Marie presents the outcome of their work in an easy to digest and memorable narrative here. So she took this high level goal to automate away the work about work and started working with the research team to better understand what that work was. Uh, kind of mapping out with uh, really incredible research and design talent that we have here, mapping out what are the points in a process where uh, the, the work is more um, kind of human based, more innovative, and what are the points in the process that are more repeatable? Um, and kind of identifying that those repeatable points are quite often at the handoff moments. Um, handoff is a, a bit of a sticky thing um, for like, how exactly do you hand off? How do you ensure that that was like uh, properly done? It went to the right next place. Um, and so we kind of built up a philosophy around, um, built up a strategy around uh, developing an entire workflow where certain pieces are uh, humans and then the pieces in between the humans are the automation that moves the work through. Um, and that's something that one strategy that we, I, I think, had been playing with organizationally was this concept of like, well, what can automation do throughout the process? And one thing that we really uncovered is that there's, you don't replace humans. That's not something that we really believe is <laughs> reasonable or at all feasible or appropriate or beneficial in any capacity. Um, but the handing off between humans as work is becoming more complex and there's more collaboration and codependence between uh, different teams, a lot of times remote teams, uh, those handoffs are quite complex. And ensuring that every individual in all of these um, in all these initiatives understands exactly what the next step needs to be after they've done their step actually takes a lot of effort and keeps the, the team alignment there um, takes so much time and effort that it slows your whole team down. And so what we uncovered is that there, there are some people who are really thinking very high level about how that process works and who needs to be plugged in when and where. And that if they can set up a system that can operate kind of for them on their behalf monitoring and paying attention the way they would want to, to how everything is operating, um, then we can help each individual who plugs into that system not have to learn the whole thing in order to operate properly. You know? So they started to focus on this handoff issue as one of the key problems they wanted to solve through automation. We're very research driven. Um, so we have um, a really robust like discovery process that our research team has been building out over the years. So uh, yes, tons, tons of things. So start with uh, to really pull out that insight that 
um, automation isn't something that happens throughout. It happens at those key points and those handoffs. That comes from uh, the, our user research lead discussing just generally, like, how does your process work with dozens of people? And then pulling out from that a framework and an understanding of like, okay, this is how those things work. There's someone who understands the end to end from really high level. And then they kind of set up those handoff moments in between. And then lots of different people come in and play a role at various points. And so kind of like developing that as a framework comes a lot of times out of that one-to-one -one conversation with someone where you just talk to them about their work. You're asking open-ended questions they're showing you their screen you're kind of like digging in like oh that's an interesting tidbit there tell me more and you start to build up um, kind of an understanding and a modeling of the system and pulling a framework out of that and i can totally relate to this issue especially running a remote product team in the past every time a feature was released i'd end up running into the chat room in slack and alert various teams about what we've pushed live and how it might affect their work. Think of support needing to know about a new feature or giving comms the green light to discuss on social. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we could see the shaping process come to life here, starting with the high-level goal of automating away the work about work to now focusing in on a specific pain point to solve inside of the product. But we still don't have a product solution. That and more right after a quick break. So we left off with Anna Marie defining their initial focus for the automation product at Asana. And so her and her team start digging into product solutions, analyzing this handoff event across team sizes and industries. Um, but what's interesting there is there's a tension with trying to build something that works like agnostically as well for any different team uh, because you can't get the specificity that any individual team might need or expect or they may have specific language that they use for a particular part of a process that a different team or a different type of function might use a different language. Uh, so we we kind of try to strike a balance. Um, one of our core values is rejecting false trade-offs. So instead of picking entirely horizontal or just having a, a product that's exclusively used by one type of team. Uh, we try to understand the workflows of specific types of teams as a primary target, and then have a secondary target of ensuring that the functionality works horizontally across a wide variety of teams. Because it, it, it's a little bit too much um, cognitive overload to try and understand how all teams work all the time. So then they picked a core target for their initial work. Uh, the core, I would say the, the core target that we were looking at was the creative production uh, workflows for marketing and creative teams. So what are those handoffs when you get a creative brief that comes in? Uh, you have to decide who to staff, how to, uh, which teams are needed, how many resources, um, then hand that off and maybe you're designer starts working on some concepts and then you need some approvals there. And so like kind of all the phases involved in that all the way to a production and launch. So now they've picked a problem to solve and a specific use case to tackle in the handoff of a creative brief. Of how automation can plug into these processes. And then what's interesting about the automation systems is it's kind of like a, an interleaving layer uh, inside the whole product. So there's something about launching a new system that requires um, a significant amount of like inter uh, interdependency with the existing system and making sure that everything is like tied in together. So the automation system is uh, listening for events that happen in Asana and then checking to see if anyone has said, hey, when this thing happens, I want something else to happen. And then if that's true, cause that thing to happen. And so that means that the automation system is kind of plugged into everything that happens in the product and has all of these different options of things that it can 
do. Developing and launching a system like that, there's a, a balance you want to strike between ensuring that you have a robust enough system and then also uh, getting something out to customers quickly enough. So we tried to narrow down on a few pains that we wanted to solve, um, specifically around like those key handoff moments uh, and specifically um, around which, uh, how we might explain those handoff moments, how we could like in the product say like, oh, if you're ready, uh, for instance, your a task comes into a project and you have a default triager, you want them to always be assigned every task, you can set that up. And that's like a really simple workflow that's really easy to crock and can help people like get started with this system. So we're looking for ways that we could provide incremental value to customers and help them like um, build into the system and understand how it works while also getting something out soon enough that you can validate that customers can use it. And from there, they had two key threads that they began planning specific product work for. So I would say we had kind of two threads of product work uh, for weeks to months. Um, the first of which was, as we're building this system, what are gonna be the, the, the what's the, the incremental path into understanding the system that we know that we can hold handhold customers through and they'll be able to be successful. And that's like one set of product discovery, um, working with live prototypes, working with uh, customers using um, their own data. We turn on a flag and then they would have access to like some very small subset of the functionality that was established. Nowhere near high enough fidelity that we could launch it, but they could like experience it in their own environment uh, and talk us live through some of their um, experiences and reactions. So it was one... Um, one thread. And then the other thread is how, how do we ensure that we've got an, enough of the system that's set up that people aren't going to fall off a cliff when they get in here, right? Um, and that's just a, a constant balance of um, trying to understand what people's expectations are around these systems. And again, similar processes, exposing them to, to paper prototypes, exposing them to live prototypes, exposing them to live prototypes with their own data, and then eventually all the way up into a large-scale beta program where we would turn on the feature for um, dozens of companies and let them play with it for weeks on end and kind of run into some of those dead ends. So they started building prototypes and a piece of a functional product to get in front of customers and start learning. One of the interesting discoveries that they made was that in this case, less wasn't more, but more was actually more. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest ones is we had a pretty uh, a pretty thorough, a pretty firmly held assumption that the system was going to be too much for people all at once. And we needed to give a little bit of more progressive disclosure. Um, and what we found is we, we explored some of those concepts and they landed well enough with customers. But when we added in a really divergent concept of like, here's the system, wholesale, like navigate around and figure it out. Uh, it was fascinating because we found in that moment that it was easier for customers to grok what was going on when they could see more of the system all at once. And uh, one of the key learnings that we had there was, you know, the value of exposing customers to really divergent things when you're trying to understand how they react to something. Um, even if you have a pretty high confidence in what you're, the direction you're going, having something that's quite different there as just a counterpoint for uh, for customers to react to can help you gain confidence if <laughs> your existing assumptions are actually correct or not. Because people have a very hard time looking at something and saying, you know, if it were this completely other way, it would be easier for me to understand. No one's going to say that. Nobody can 
that thought, right? That's a very hard thought to think. Um, that's why we pay designers to design is because that's very hard work. Um, and so giving them something just really divergent to, to react to um, pays extraordinary dividends. And that's an interesting point about user testing. Without a B to your A, if you will, many customers won't be able to tell you what's missing from your concept or that there's a better way to solve their problem. So now they're approaching the launch. Um, I mentioned we had a large scale beta program. We had exit criteria there based on ease of use and how, um, how much value it provided for customers customers, how, how much better it made their lives. Um, and so we were constantly interviewing and monitoring with survey feedback um, what the experience was like. And once we hit above our thresholds, then we were like ready to, to start launching it uh, for customers. So the next phase was rolling it out, making sure nothing breaks, uh, which is always an exciting moment. Um, you know, we did a code freeze for this organizationally, uh, organization-wide code freeze for a couple days while we were um, rolling out to 100%. Um, it was extraordinarily smooth, um, which to this day, just I, I cannot give enough kudos to the engineering team here. Because again, when you're talking about building a layer in between everything that exists, uh, the, the, the automation system has to not break everything that already exists, <laughs> um, which is quite a challenge. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we had an like completely like no no P zeros, no P ones, uh, no no major uh, bugs or issues as we rolled out, which is really exciting because following that we were ready for the automation like formal launch. Uh, so we do try to separate our ship and our launch moments where shipping is when customers have access to the, the functionality and launching is when we market that and say, hey, you, this is now available. We've been working on this thing because it solves these problems. And then the launch day itself. The launch day was really exciting. We got to see a lot of people discover the functionality, get really, really excited about it. A lot of, uh, it's just really fun when customers find out about something that you, you've kind of been nurturing and building for months um, and watching how how excited they get by that. Uh, so that was just, that's just always lovely. Um, the, and then the what was really, really great to see is that we got a flood of feedback. Um, and it's feedback is such a gift. But the, the flood of feedback that we got was, this is great. Can I also have X, Y, Z, another trigger, another action, another way to automate something else? Um, and so we got this treasure trove of, 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 you know, this giant wish list from our customer base. Um, and we were able to kind of look at that and, uh, spend some time exploring some of the strategic opportunities that that feedback represented um, and continue iterating. So we've just launched uh, this past month another couple big updates to the system based on people's requests. Uh, we've been adding new functionality weekly, monthly uh, around new ways that you can automate work, uh, new ways that you can increase uh, maybe you want to add a little bit more logic. You want to say like a few ors, a few ands. I want to do when something happens. I want to do these eight things, or when uh, you know when my boss does something and it's a P zero. Like then, let me know. Um, so adding more functionality there, and we're continuing to iterate on that. Um, so it's it's been really exciting in that way, but it's also been really interesting to think about it from the perspective of um, what are some other 
uh, target workflows that we can we can pull more things into. I, I mentioned early on we had um, a few target workflows we were thinking of when we were building out the initial functionality. Uh, and then when you launch something in the wild, people use it for all other sorts of use cases um, and surface like other workflows that need a little augmentation this way and that way. So um, automation is continuing to evolve. And there you have it, a great example of a company channeling its mission into a new and exciting product feature and executing through rigorous user testing and research. Yeah, it's a great story, and uh, and we'll tell plenty more for you throughout <laughs> the rest of this year. Uh, but until next time, for Michael Saka, I'm Mike Belsito, and this is Rocketship.fm. <laughs>